There's a battle brewing right now over wording in the Virginia Constitution about marriage and whether we are going to permanently sanction same-sex marriage. Now you might be thinking, it's just words, so what does it matter? But the truth is, what the law says about marriage affects our kids, families, and freedoms in ways you might not expect. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, we're talking about marriage this week, so I just can't resist sharing that my husband and I are celebrating our 14th wedding anniversary. That is really great. You know, I I can remember when I was a kid and people would mention their anniversaries and I'd think, what's the big deal? But now that I've been married, I realize it is a big deal. It's awesome. It's hard work. It is because you go through a lot of life together, the ups and downs. It's worth celebrating every time. Since you've been married a lot longer than me, Victoria, do you have any tips for getting through better and worse? Well, you know, I don't think of being married that much longer. We celebrated our 20th, but I think every kid adds exponential age to your marriage. So maybe maybe in reality, we really have. But I think, you know, my, my tip is just we've used laughter really as a key tool to get us through the years and even to react when people, apparently one time, I'll t- just a little side note, I remember I... I must have made a comment about a movie with, where somebody was picking somebody up in an airport. It was really romantic. And I, I must have made a comment like, how come you never picked me up at the airport? Or something that maybe wasn't the most helpful. And the next time I got off a train, my husband brought all of my children as a marching band <laughs> to sound the alarm that I had arrived. But that's the kind of guy he is. He brings humor. And I think that really does help. I mean, it helps you react to things. Well, as we mentioned in the opening of our show today, there is a big battle going on right now in the General Assembly over the definition of marriage in our state constitution. Victoria, tell us about that. Well, in 2006, the people of Virginia spoke and we put into our Virginia Constitution a definition of marriage between one man and one woman. And now what they're trying to do is not just repeal those words, but actually replace them with a new amendment into our Constitution. It's not enough. And so here's what they're going to do. They're going to do something that will legally recognize and require equal treatment of so-called marriages regardless of, quote, the sex or gender of the parties in the marriage. In other words, they're going to try to codify same-sex marriage into our Constitution. Well, I think that might be kind of confusing to a lot of people because they might think, wasn't this already addressed at the national level with the U.S. Supreme Court Obergefell decision? I mean, why are we having this huge battle at the state level if the Supreme Court already mandated something? Well, yeah, it is a little confusing. I think people can kind of put it in the framework of Roe versus Wade. What they're trying to do when we think about Roe and it getting overturned is then it goes back to the states and people's state constitutions start to matter. And so what they're trying to do is say, just in case the Supreme Court ever changes its mind, Virginia is going to make this declaratory statement and make our law very, very clear so that we could never look back. Wow. Well, with this new language that would endorse marriage between any sex or gender, what does that really mean? I mean, does that put us on some kind of slippery slope beyond just same sex? marriage and even the number of people involved in the marriage. It's a very alarming way that they are doing it because they're putting in this new amendment a right to marriage without defining marriage. So we actually have a right to something that has no definition, which is very alarming when you think about uh, the the future views of what marriage could look like. Polygamy and other things are are concerned. Yeah, let's get into this a little more because I think we really need to address why words, actual words in the law matter. Because a lot of people might think, well, this is just some obscure language in the Constitution that I'm never actually going to look at and it doesn't really affect me or my marriage. So why should people care about these legal words? Well, I like to think of the way our friend John Stone Street says it. He talks about how ideas of consequences and bad ideas have victims. 
the wording in our Constitution does matter. As we think of the Constitution as the thing, it's sort of like the highest words we can say about something. It has the greatest impact. And frankly, there are going to be a lot of natural consequences when we exalt a definition of marriage, and in this case, like a right to marriage with no definition, when we exalt that in a way and it falls outside of God's definition of marriage because he designed it to help human beings flourish. Our definition of marriage as we follow the Bible actually allows us to get to a prosperous and healthy, happy life, especially when we're thinking about children and the needs of kids with a mom and a dad. Right, and I've often heard it said that sweeping policy should never be made on exceptions to the rule. In other words, good policy is based on what's best for the broadest part, the broader society. And it's really not popular to say this these days, but the truth is there is plenty of social science data out there showing that kids do best with a married mom and dad. And at our highest level, our state law should obviously reflect that. Yeah, there's actually, unfortunately, a lot of examples where these definitions in state laws matter and they play out tragically in real lives. I think specifically of a a case going on right now, Lisa Miller. Um, This was an example of a woman who was in a lesbian lifestyle. She lived in a lesbian lifestyle back in the day, and they went to Vermont to get a civil union because Vermont's law allowed that. And then they went and brought a child into this. Lisa actually had a child, biologically hers, not her partner's. They came back and lived in Virginia. Well, then she meets the Lord and dissolves this civil union, but the courts try to tell her that this child, that, that Janet, her partner, has some right to her child. They weren't married. It wasn't an adoption situation. And yet the law really had impact. And now we see, she, this is years ago, she ran away to Nicaragua with her child because she was worried about the impact of her child being given over in custody to this other partner. And so long story short, to this, this moment, her daughter has now turned 18. And so the custody order no longer holds. And so Lisa has turned herself into the government to face the consequences of protecting her child. But that's an example of real laws having consequences, wrapping up people and and making victims. Here's this mom who might actually be imprisoned for this. It's really just a heart-rending look at, you know, not only what it really means to pay the cost for your religious beliefs, your faith, but also just to look at this mess that's created by this legal endorsement of relationships and just a complete restructuring of family, definition of family outside of man-woman marriage. I mean, we, we are getting a really heartrending picture of that with this. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. And one of the reasons it is so important to stop this revamping of the definition of marriage in the Constitution is because this does play out in the area of religious freedom, right? Yeah, you know, I remember when we debated the original definition of marriage, people would say, this doesn't, how other people marry doesn't affect your marriage. And they just didn't see and wouldn't admit that it does have all this impact. In fact, we're seeing that these claims that they used to make, they're still trying to make them even in the middle of this argument. But the reality is we're seeing examples all the time of people with biblical beliefs on this topic, on marriage, being basically punished if they don't fall in line with celebrating gay marriage in either their business or in counseling practices or a number of other ways. And actually, all you have to do is look at what's happening in our own state right now with attacks on things like the religious freedoms of faith-based adoption agencies. I mean, it was just a few days ago we heard this liberal legislator conflating religious beliefs with those of the KKK. And again, it all gets back to this definition of marriage because that seems to be at the heart of this effort to really attack biblically-minded Christians and essentially drive them out of the public square, even if they're doing social services that help our communities. 
Yeah, it's not just this idea that there's a pluralistic view of marriage. It's actually an idea that everyone must believe in this definition of marriage and be okay and, in fact, embrace, not just tolerate, other people's marriages. And so we have problems in adoption. We have problems with the baker. If you remember the case with Jack Phillips or the florist out in Washington State, this is the reality of people who say, I can't be a part of celebrating this kind of marriage. And that's the future. And it only gets worse if we put this into our Constitution. Yeah, that Jack Phillips case is especially apropos because you see the connection between state policy and this state civil rights commission in Colorado that they have and other LGBT activists that are using that policy as a tool to persecute him for years now, literally. I mean, he actually went twice at the Supreme Court level and they are still going after him. Yeah, it's been said that there is a battle between sexual freedom and religious freedom, and there, that is, it is a zero-sum game, meaning someone is going to lose if we have to elevate sexual freedom over religious freedom. And just to kind of give a quick update on where this is, these bills, unfortunately, this constitutional amendment is coming our way. They've sort of passed both chambers. We're basically headed in the direction of having this, but it's a two-year process, and people do need to understand that it will have to go back to the General Assembly again next year, so we have a chance to beat it next year. And then it will go to the ballot. If we weren't able to be successful, we'd see it on the ballot in 2022. So it's a long process. We need people's voices in this. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award, where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Victoria, who's getting this week's award? It's definitely going to Delegate Levine, a liberal from Northern Virginia, for conflating religious groups with the KKK and insinuating that religious groups are prone to being racists. Yeah, just to give a little context to this, this happened during a debate about his bill, which would have removed religious freedom protections from faith-based adoption and foster care agencies who just want to be able to be true to their biblical beliefs about marriage. In other words, they want to be able to give priority to placing kids in homes with a married mom and dad rather than with unmarried or same-sex couples because they want to operate according to their biblical principles. But he has aggressively pushed this bill and continually made references to, quote, religious discrimination, really basically equating biblical beliefs with, you know, being a bigot. Yeah, that's right. And he even took it a, a little bit further a few days ago. Let's listen to portions of this clip. And unfortunately, there are even religious organizations that are blatantly racist. I can name a few of them. Christian Identity Movement is one of them, or even the Ku Klux Klan claims to be a religious organization that could say, you know what, we don't put kids in this family based on race. And this statute would say, well, you know, we've got to license them. We got to license them. There's no prohibition that's their religious base that they believe in this discrimination. So we've got to license them, and there are no damages either. Oh, Senator Stewart. While he's looking, and I don't know if it's a question for staff, but in fact, do do religious organizations in Virginia um, discriminate based upon race with placing children? If they do, I'd like to know about that, and I'd like to know which ones are doing it. Is there someone that who has be, an answer? That would be a question for M. Prente, who I believe is on the line. Um, M., if you're available to respond to that question while Delegate Levine is doing some research. Madam Chair, um, members of the committee, this is M. Parenti with the department. Um, our, we, we're locally administered, state supervised, and there are many LCPAs across the state. Um, our goal is to have a diverse pool of foster families. 
because we have a diverse group of children in foster care. Um, Delegate Levine spoke to the um, additional um, children who identify as LGBTQ compared to the general population who are in foster care. Um, we also um, have children of lots of different religious backgrounds and races. And we our, our goal is to try to place children with families that will meet their needs. So having a diverse pool in both the local department approved homes and the LCPA approved homes increases the likelihood that we'll find a family that will meet the child's needs. We don't, we don't place based on race um, and our local departments don't place based on race, but we do try to place kids with families that we believe have uh, the ability to meet their needs. I'm not sure I've done my research when you're ready. So the simple answer was no. If I understood her response, the answer is no. Uh, I would say that's a fair interpretation. Would you say that, Ms. Parente? Um, the regulations actually prohibit the LCPAs from discriminating based on race. Okay. Thank you, Madam Chair. What I appreciate about that clip is rather than just returning insult for insult, the conservative senators really responded calmly with the facts. And I think they did a pretty good job of forcing it out into the, the open that there are actually zero religious groups in our state looking to discriminate against kids. Another thing that's interesting in listening to this is listening to the agency representative that kind of she's stumbling around trying to avoid saying outright that there is no religious discrimination happening among, you know, Racial discrimination. Yes, racial discrimination. She's trying to say there's no racial discrimination, and she's stumbling around because she doesn't want to actually say that. But she even ends up mentioning that they need a diverse pool of families. And out of 150 agencies, a few faith-based providers does create that diversity. Right. The irony is ridiculous. If we need diversity of families, why are we seeing these efforts to exclude Christians and Catholic groups from participating? The good news is the bill is dead for this year, but the not so good news is that it's time to wrap up this segment for today. And just to remind people that if you're interested in being a part of putting an idea on this top 50 list, you can go ahead and send in your comments to speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. That's speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget we are stronger when we speak together.